I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Al Galdi is my guest today. Al just got through with three hours of his own show, so I really appreciate you giving me a little bit of time today on, I guess, what we'll call the Chase Young game. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good to be with you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, before we get to the game, and it, and it was a pretty good one, I, I'm curious, I think from maybe a listener standpoint that 980 and 106.7 maybe like was competition, it's interesting now that, that you've merged um, maybe more of a symbiotic relationship. I heard the rooster on with Kevin last week. How, how is that going? Does this surprise you? What's, what's going on there? Yeah, so, you know, it's still new and young. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. I know that, you know, the idea is, is to keep the station separate, but it'll be kind of more, you know, we can kind of each do our own thing. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, we're at war with each other or anything like that. And there can be a little bit of crossover. I don't think you're going to hear a bunch of us on their station or vice versa, but I think you may see like a little bit of that where like someone like Chris Russell, who is, he's not like a regular show host there can maybe come on with us and things like that. So, you know, I think it's actually really cool and that it's going to open up some opportunities for things like that. Um, this is kind of inside baseball, but uh, 106.7 is owned by a company and we're now owned by a company called Intercom, which is a very successful radio company when it comes to sports talk stations so that matters a lot because sports radio and how to do it and sell it is very unique. And it's not the same as like music stations or things like that. And, and that was one of the things our previous owner or our previous company had like no experience owning a sports station. So it just had no clue what to do with us, how to maximize us. Like, I mean, just nothing. So we're with a company now that gets it. Intercom owns like WFAN in New York and WIP in Philadelphia and a bunch of the other great stations. So, you know, we're in the hands of a company with a proven track record. And I, I think the thing with 106.7 is intriguing. I think there are a lot of possibilities with it. I think like you could do events where like the hosts from both stations are there and things like that. So um, I think it'll be evolving and we'll kind of see where it goes. But um, it's good to be in the hands of people who know what they're doing. You know, it's like football, right? You want someone running football operations who knows what he or she is doing. And, uh, uh, you know, I feel like we have that now, so that's good. One last on the on the business side of it. You were with Doc for a while. Uh, you've been by yourself for a while. It, do you have a preference one way or the other, co-host, or doing it on your own? You know, I can do it either way. I, I, I've always felt I'm better on my own. I don't know if that's just like a me thing. You know, I think working with people is great. If it's the right mix, it takes time for that mix to evolve. I mean, it's funny with doc and I, cause we, I've known doc for 20 plus years. We did a show together for like a year plus. And the, the, the truth is when you work with someone, it takes like at least a year or two before there is that like true rhythm and you understand kind of how things are going to go and work. And there's a trust and all that. So, you know, it takes time to build that up. I thought we actually had a pretty good chemistry, but, you know, I, I kind of felt like we both are good on our own and he can put us together okay. But, you know, for a while there, it was me on my own and Doc on his own. And, I mean, I enjoyed listening to Doc on his own, you know. So, 
I, I think it's all kind of different, but I guess I've always felt like I do a better job on my own just because it's like I can kind of take it where I want to take it. But, you know, that's the other thing about radio, man. It's like <laughs> things change and, you know, the way things are one day can be very different the way they are the next. So you just got to try to be adaptable and, you know, hopefully you can succeed in a kind of variety of environments and setups. Cause if you're like very particular of it has to be this way or nothing, um, it's hard to last a very long time. You brought up the GM, so I'll take a swing. It's been out the last couple of weeks with this uh, Kyle Smith stuff, right? And, and again today, Ron was kind of given the opportunity to say, yeah, we had a great offseason and a great draft, and Kyle's doing a great job. He, he's been reluctant to do that, um, and I'm not yeah. sure why. Yeah, I don't know either, and it'd be one thing if it was one time. You'd say, well, you know, maybe you caught him on a bad day or in a bad moment, or, you know, he and Kyle just had an argument or who knows. Uh, today, Monday, was another chance to kind of do it. And it's not like he's ripping Kyle, you know, no. but but he's given this chance to, like, he praises, he prays on him. He's not doing that. So I don't know, man. I, I really hope they are getting along. I don't want Kyle Smith to go anywhere. I hope he's here for a long time. And I, I like how they had it where, you know, Ron maybe is the final say-so guy, but Kyle's kind of this rising guy, running player personnel, and they have a history together because Ron worked for Kyle's dad, AJ, with the Chargers. I just would hate for this to not work, um, but I, I know this. If you follow this team for any length of time, you know that when there are whispers of problems or when people think there may be problems, chances are there's something. And I just... Uh, would be uh, cautious about that. This is now twice Ron's had a chance the last few weeks to throw a bunch of praise on Kyle Smith has not done that. And uh, that was something that Ron remember did do in the off season. He talked about how much he liked the recent drafts and they did those draft weekend press conferences together. So, you know, it's a wait and see thing. Um, I, I just, I hope though that they stay together a while. Cause I think this is a setup that really has a chance to do some great things. I do too. Uh, speaking of Ron, when is the last time that they've had a coaching staff like this? I mean, guys are getting coached up and not just from the big coordinators, but the position, um, you know, the secondary, the tight end, offensive line. I mean, these guys are coming. They gave up two sacks yesterday, right? I mean, it's yeah. pretty impressive yeah. what the coaching staff does. I've no, I can't recall a last time we've had a group that makes halftime adjustments the way that they seem to do now. It's been a while, right? Uh, it feels that way. You know, and one of the sacks they gave up was Alex Smith just kind of tripping. So I don't even know if you call that a pass protection breakdown. But, you know, one of the things that really stuck out in those later years with Jay Gruden here was them bringing on board multiple people who'd been out of the league. You know, people like Ray Horton and Rob Ryan. And, I mean, you can be out of the league and still be a good coach. But I think it is kind of curious if you're that good, like why didn't anyone employ you the previous year? So you have here a lot of guys who've been around for a while, obviously were with Ron in Carolina and the proof is in the performance, right? So like you look at the offensive line, they've had a lot of instability with the line this year because there's some injuries. They've, they've used a lot of different combinations. You've had some just personnel changes, right? They benched Wes Martin at one point, things like that. And the line I think has been, fine like it's not been great but it's not been the problem that I think a lot of people make it out to be or thought it would be 
And their line coach is John Matsko, who coached offensive linemen for years with the Panthers, has a tremendous track record. And you're seeing him kind of live up to that here. Their tight ends coach is a guy named Pete Hayner. Developed Greg Olson with the Panthers. Worked with Vernon Davis in San Francisco. We're seeing Logan Thomas make these strides. You know, so Pete Hayner is living up to his reputation. So you're seeing, it's one thing like people come here with resumes, right? You, we can all go to the website and read these guys' bios and say, oh, wow, that's good. Oh, that's good. But what do they do while they're here? And is there a uh, sort of a proof of performance? Like, do guys get better? Do guys develop? We're seeing that this season. It's been one of the really great things about this year. So I like the staff a lot. You know, I, I think people have questions about Scott Turner. I think he's doing a pretty good job. It's not perfect. And there's not a body of work with him like you have with, say, a Jack Del Rio. But I think even with somebody like Scott, who is new to this for the most part, you're seeing why Ron hired him. And just hope that there's that ascent and, you know, they keep getting better and better. And, you know, we're talking uh, in an even better fashion about these guys a year from now. Uh, you were uh, you were talking about the tight ends coach. Ron actually gave him the credit for the Logan Thomas acquisition. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. And that, see, so that, like, just to go back to the Kyle Smith thing real quick, like, Ron said that on his own. He said, Pete Hayner, you got to give him credit for Logan Thomas. He singled him out during free agency, wanted to sign him in the offseason. So it's like, all right, he does that for Pete Hayner. Like, <laughs> why can't we do that with Kyle Smith? <laughs> But, yeah, it, it makes you feel good that you have a tight ends coach here who can develop a tight end. So uh, I like the staff a lot, and uh, I think our team is in good hands. Got to keep it going. Nothing's guaranteed. We've seen things before where they have a good season, even a playoff season, and then it all falls apart. But this does have the feeling of something that's building. And realistically speaking, I don't know that you could have expected a much better first season for Ron Rivera here given, you know, everything that he was facing. Absolutely. No doubt. Uh, it feels like the defense is what they want to hang their hat on. I tweeted the other day. I, I wonder, we, we haven't had this in so long, but I wonder if defensive-minded coaches like Ron and Jack Del Rio are like, listen, we're going to go play as tough as we can, and we're going to win this on our own, and whatever you give us on offense is just extra on top. Do you, you think that's the way this defensive-minded unit feels? I think they probably recognize that's the reality. I can't imagine that they like it being this way. You know, I think it's hard to live this way where every week the pressure is on you. And if you're not playing at an A level or like a B plus level, good chance you're going to lose. Like, I don't know. That's just a tough way to be. I mean, I, I think it's the way that it is, you know, and, and it's not going to change between now and the end of the regular season with three games left. But that's kind of the way that it is. I, you know, they need to become a more well-rounded team. They need to get the offense in a better place. There are things we like about the offense, but it's not been one of the better offenses in the NFL this year. A lot of that has had to do with the passing game and just the passing game for a variety of reasons, not ranking among the league's best. But I think it's a credit to the defense for sure that you're at six and seven. I think it's a testament to the defense that you can lean on it this much and it's coming through more often than not. I mean, to me, the defense has had two bad games the whole year, the Rams game and the Lions game. That's it. I think every other game, it's either been like pretty good to really good, you know, and that's there are very few defense. You can say that, about. you've had two bad games all year. So, you know, we had we've had this before. We had this with a lot of those Greg Williams teams where the offenses weren't great, but the defenses were. So, you know, you could win games that way. 
you just you, you need to get the offense, especially the passing game, to be more of a big game, a big boy, you know, modern 2020 NFL attack where throwing for a bunch of yards, connecting on big plays, having a quarterback with, you know, three touchdown passes in a game isn't unheard of. Like a lot of guys do it every week. We don't ever do that. Um, so that's like a bigger picture thing. But with this defense, it's been a long time since we've had a defense capable of carrying a team or capable of leading the way to a postseason. This defense for sure can do that, and hopefully it's in the process of doing that. The early line for Seattle is four. What does that I mean, what does that say about the direction that this franchise is headed and the way that the rest of the, the country is looking at it? That four surprised me. So you thought it would be more? I did. I thought it'd be a little more. I, I think personally that Seattle's not necessarily – I mean, they got Russell Wilson and yeah. he Metcalf. I get that, but I, I think, I mean, if we hadn't won four in a row, that line would have probably been a whole lot closer to 10 all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, I, I think something else that's encouraging with Washington is Vegas is showing Washington a good amount of respect. We saw that for that Steelers game with a line, you know, it opened as like, uh, I think it was 10 or 11, and it comes down to five and a half by the time you get to kickoff, which is, I mean, that's substantial. Yeah. And you had a lot of sharp money a lot of insider money coming in on Washington and it turned out to be totally right. right? Washington wins that game. So, you know, I, I think what people in Vegas would see with Washington is like, you know, things we see very good defense, well-coached team, um, not a great offense, but an offense that can do well. I mean, 20 points in the second half at the Steelers, that's not something to gloss over. Like that's significant that Washington pulled that up and without Antonio Gibson too. So I, I think they look at that, you know, Seattle is good. It obviously has an MVP candidate quarterback, great receiver in Metcalf, but the defense is questionable. And, you know, with the offense, it's good, but it also got largely humbled by the Giants just a couple of Sundays ago. So if the Giants defense can do that to Seattle, why can't Washington's defense? You know, Giants defense may be good. Ours is better. You know, to me, Washington has a, has a top five defense at this point in the NFL. So uh, I don't put anything past Washington in terms of an opposing offense and, oh, you know, they can't contain those guys. No, they can. Now, will they is a different story, but they can do it. Um, Washington should have a lot of confidence going into every game here left. And right now, I mean, I'd like to know more about our quarterback situation, but I would take Washington plus the points for Sunday. Uh, real quickly, you brought up the quarterback. I was surprised when Ron said he was cleared to go back in the game, but yet they're worried about his availability for Sunday – I know he just doesn't like to say much about the injuries, and I know it's early in the day today to get the report for later, but that whole thing seemed kind of odd to me that that we had that situation. What do you make of that? I mean, I don't, I'm, well, I'm, it reminded me somewhat of the Kyle Allen thing right. uh, earlier this year where Kyle could go back in and Ron didn't put him back in, and we were kind of like, why didn't Ron put him back in? But he didn't. Uh, so that was, what I guess, the Rams game, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he left Alex in a game and he's getting, you know, sat on by Aaron Donald and they still have Alex in that game. So I don't know, maybe that's just kind of a Ron thing. We're like, he has his QB one. And if the guy gets hurt, he's really reluctant to put him back in. I, I'm not sure. It would have been really interesting if Haskins, let's say Haskins looked awful. All right. I mean, I don't think he looked great, but I don't think he looked awful necessarily. He did make a few throws. Would they have put Alex back in then? Like if that Haskins pick that wasn't a pick turned out to be a pick, maybe it was even a pick six, right? Yeah. 
Does he go back to Alex? Like that would have been telling, um, you know, for now you say, well, all right, it worked out fine. And knowing what we know, it, it maybe it's going to help him and help Alex get ready for Sunday. But that, that, that's the only thing I could come up with was that's what Ron said about the Rams game where he could have put Kyle back in and he didn't. So, you know, Ron, he has, he has some peculiar things, man, like not calling the timeouts late in the early season losses. And, you know, the, uh, the whole thing about, I go with my gut all the time and his philosophy about, uh, playing for a tie when you're home road, but you know, it's like, they don't always make sense, but they make sense to him yeah. and it's working. So yes. I'm not here to question anything right now with this guy. Cause he's got a Midas touch, man. It seems like everything he's doing is working. So who, who am I to criticize? Built up some equity for sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Terry McLaurin over a thousand yards can't enough good things be said about him. I was surprised because when he he smoked Richard Sherman in that first quarter, and I thought, yeah, well, this could be a big game for him today, which I thought before we went in there because they don't move the corners around. Um, I, Alex was never right. Is that do you think that calf was up before the game because he just never looked like he was ready that game? So that that's what I'd like to know. It's not clear. Um, I kind of hope it wasn't right because that would explain why Alex didn't look very good. Yeah. If it was right and he still didn't look very good, that would kind of concern me a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he was off. It was his worst game since the Rams game, I thought. He, he did not, he was not accurate. Um, like I said, that sack where he just fell down, I was kind of like, dude, what is that? Um, they just were off offensively. And I, I guess maybe it would have been one of those typical games this year where maybe in the second half things get going. I mean, I guess that is possible. We'll never know. But it didn't – I don't know. It just did not feel good. It, it, the offense was not looking good. So I hope it was the calf, uh, and I hope he's, he's right for Sunday because they need to be a better passing team Sunday to beat Seattle. I, I don't think you can do that again and, and win a game like you did against the Niners. You're not facing Nick Mullins. You're facing Russell Wilson. And it's, going, it's not going to be easy, this game against the Seahawks. So they're going to need to be able to move the football more effectively – and be better on third downs. And so it's, it's, this is going to be a big storyline this week where Alex is at uh, from a health standpoint. Real quick while I got you here. Um, I was curious your thoughts on the John Wall for Russell Westbrook. You, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I would put it like this. I am, I'm very aware of Russell Westbrook's flaws and the reasons why this might not work. I mean, it's hard to look at Westbrook and not see a guy who is essentially an older, just as expensive version of Wall, who actually hasn't even been as good of a shooter as Wall has been on threes, and Wall hasn't been very good as a shooter. But I do think this. Uh, Westbrook is going to bring some things to the Wizards that they need. I think he's going to bring a tenacity and a competitiveness that they have not had nearly often enough. Westbrook certainly has been more durable than John Wall has been. I think it's obvious the Wizards wanted Wall out, uh, that they were willing to do this, that they were willing to attach a first-round pick to do this. I think they were kind of done with the whole Wall scenario, and they, they saw it as being just kind of done, and they'd gone as far with it as they were going to go. I, you know, I don't think this is anything good about the Wizards' faith in Wall post the Achilles injury. And I think with Westbrook, and I don't know that this is the reason to ever make a trade like this, but I think it is true. This does bring an excitement to this wizard season that we did not have prior to this. You know, as, as much as some people talk about how much they love John Wall, there was no buzz for this yeah. upcoming wizard season. I didn't sense any of it. Right. And I sense it now, man. Yeah. I sense an excitement. 
I know myself as a lifelong Bullets Wizards fan. In fact, I'm wearing an old school Bullets sweatshirt right now. Nice. I, I'm excited for this season. Yeah. And I'm anxious to see how it works out. And I recognize it may not work, okay? It is concerning that Russell Westbrook's on his third team in three seasons. It is concerning that, you know, Russell Westbrook stopped getting along with Kevin Durant. And, you know, it was recognized pretty quickly. He and James Harden weren't going to work beyond the season. So all those things are bothersome. You know, Westbrook, he's not necessarily peak Westbrook anymore. His three-point shooting the last few years has been abysmal. But there are things he will bring to the table that this Wizards team needs. And I think it could work. And if it does work, it's going to look like a stroke of genius. Getting in a guy here in Westbrook is a future Hall of Famer. He's been durable. You never have to worry about him being out of shape. You know, at times people question that about John Wall. Is he in shape? You don't have to worry about that with Westbrook. It's just a question of are he and Beal going to mesh well together on the court? And if each guy is willing to make some sacrifices and put aside some ego, I think it can work. And the last thing is the, the Scott Brooks factor, I don't think can be understated. I was just getting ready to ask you that. Yeah, final season of his contract. But he knows Westbrook. He, yeah. he, he's, he's going into this eyes wide open. He has, a, rep, he has a, a, hat, a past with Westbrook. They get along. Westbrook wanted to be here. That's been the reporting that Westbrook asked to be traded to D.C. in part to be back with Brooks. So that would seem to bode well that this thing can work. So I'm excited. I think you got to be a little cautious with it. But this could end up being a nice thing. And, and the Wizards, even if they just get back to that like 45-46 win level, it's so much better than what it's been the last few years. And it would be nice to have meaningful playoff basketball in D.C. this spring. No doubt. Hey, Al, I know you had a long day already. I appreciate you giving me some time. Maybe we can get you back during the basketball hockey season. Anytime, man. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Al Gaudi. All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you. All right, no problem. Bye-bye.